Ready to take your place as a trusted advisor and strategic partner of the C-suite? Welcome to the Enough Already podcast. I'm your host, Betsy Jordan. And in every episode, we talk about how high-achieving professionals can permanently ditch the nine-to-five and repackage their strengths and passions into a profitable, purpose-driven consulting or coaching business. Today, I'm going to be sharing with you my secrets to working with the C-suite in this first episode of my brand new Organizational Consulting 101 series on this podcast. So here's the thing. More and more people are wanting to leave corporate to start their own businesses. And a lot of them are doing so for so many reasons. They want control over their career, their time, their earning power. They want to make a bigger difference. And so many other reasons. Life balance. You know what I'm talking about. But out of all the businesses these high-achieving professionals can start, many choose consulting or coaching because of the unique difference that they want to make in the world. And they want to make a difference in the world of work. So they might want to help younger versions of themselves, or they want to help create healthier work environments. So they need to be able to influence senior leaders in organizations in order to achieve their impact goals and their income goals. So that's what they want. I don't know if you are relating to this at all. And I know for sure, if you are listening to this podcast and you are interested in starting a consulting or coaching business, you've got that key obstacle that we all face, both new and seasoned consultants and coaches face, which is all around marketing and everything related to marketing and everything about getting clients. So we all know about this pain point, right? Because we are fully aware that when we leave corporate, we are making this transition from employee to entrepreneur. But there's more involved with this marketing challenge that meets the eye. And I think it's because there's this second challenge that's going on, and that's this transition from leader to consultant or coach, which is a whole new job that requires very different skill sets, perspectives, and I'm gonna share a lot more about this in this episode. And I have some of that experience and maybe not exactly the same. So for me, you know, before there was this business podcast that you're listening to and all of my brand positioning and messaging and mentoring business that I have in my brand marketing agency, where I've launched the entrepreneurial dreams of dozens of other consultants or coaches, there was me as this internal organization development consultant at Walt Disney World. This is where I got my career start. So I got really lucky. I was able to land a dream job as an internal consultant. That was literally my job description when I was just about to turn 30 years old. And I had an opportunity to work with amazing executives on really incredible, strategic, visible, strategic projects. I was involved when the Animal Kingdom opened and it was going through this brand relaunch. And I was the originator of what was called the Forward to the Basics Project, which is now called the Basics Project, where we completely redefined the guest cast and the cast leader experience. And the work I did at Disney is now being taught at the Disney Institute all around the world. So when I left Disney, I had a unique experience that many other people have. I was able to really grow my business from you know zero to 300,000 within the first 18 months. Um, not because I was like this major marketing guru at the time. I didn't know that much about, I didn't know anything about branding yourself as an individual business. I knew about branding when I was working at Animal Kingdom when I was at Disney, but I didn't know all about it like I do now and how I help my clients. So back then, what I had 
that allowed me to create incredible success as a consultant is I knew how to influence executives. I knew how to create results without positional authority. And that's what I'm going to be sharing with you today in this particular episode is how do you actually work with executives? How do you work with a C-suite? What do you need? Um, one of the things I've been wondering about though is what did make what made me successful as a consultant? You know, what made me a great executive advisor? And I think a lot of it is I was really wired perfectly for this role. I'll never forget the first time I facilitated my first executive meeting. I was only 27 years old. I was I just got this job. So right before I was at Disney, I had another internal consulting role in a nonprofit organization. And I was leading this senior team through all the strategy work. And I had this moment where it's like, my gosh, this role is like a hand and glove fit. But then I thought that I, maybe it's me, you know, maybe this is unique to me. But then I got to Disney and I was on a team of more than 20 other consultants and they were all like me. They all had similar wiring. And now when I work with other people through my mentoring and brand positioning work, I see these same attributes. So some of the things that you need to succeed in the C-suite are skills and strategies that I'm going to teach you all about in this podcast and in this Organizational Consulting 101 series. And some of it just relates to how you're wired. So to help you determine if you are wired to be an amazing consultant and somebody who can work with executives in the larger organizations, I created a free quiz or self-assessment to help you analyze your own readiness. So if you want this quiz, all you need to do is head on over to www.betsyjordan.com. And remember, Jordan is with a Y, not an A, forward slash consulting hyphen quiz. And there, when you get the quiz, you can find out, you know, where do your skill sets lie? Where are you really well wired to work with executives? Where are some areas of opportunity so that if this is something that you want to do for your business and for your career, you will be able to develop a development plan for yourself so that you can be successful. So now let's get on with the show. Let me get into some of my secrets to your consulting success. The number one secret that I would say is really important for you to work well with the executives in the C-suite and be really effective as a consultant is to really know and appreciate the role of a consultant. So one of the things that drives me absolutely batty is that when the word consultant is sort of like this throwaway word for someone who works in an organization who's just not on the full-time payroll. And there's so many ways that people can work for an organization and not be on the full-time payroll. You know, this could just be a contract worker or something like that. But a consultant is a specific role. It's a unique role. And that's somebody who's an advisor, somebody who comes alongside a leader to enhance their leadership and organizational effectiveness and capacity. So it's somebody who works with, with these leaders. They come alongside. They're at the right hand of power. So this role is unique. It's special. It's a career path in itself. And the thing is, is that consulting isn't the same as leading, which is what creates so many challenges for people is, hey, I knew how to get results. You know, if I were, if I was an operations executive and then I leave my corporate role and I become an operational consultant, I get confused because I'm not quite sure how to get results because before I got results because I had a team, I had authority, I had a budget. But then what do you do when you don't have that anymore? And that's what happens when you become a consultant. But the role of a consultant is so powerful because what you do and the contribution that you make is that you help a client frame the problem that they're responsible for solving and implementing. 
So the thing is about the difference between consulting versus leading. Leaders own the what. They own the content of the business. They own what needs to get done, what their goals are. But consultants bring the how. They help them achieve the results in the best way possible. So for example, one of the reasons why people hire me as a business mentor is because they get overwhelmed by the process of starting and growing your business. Like you probably get it, you understand, it's overwhelming. And what makes it extra overwhelming is you're trying to figure out what you want your business to be all about while you're trying to figure out how you go about growing the business. So you hire somebody like me where I will help own the how so your brain is completely freed up to figure out what you want your business to be all about. Same goes for your executive clients. You own the process so that they can focus on the content of the work. And you think about it when you get into the larger organizations, it gets a lot more complicated because there's a lot of people involved and a lot of people have a lot of different perspectives. So if you can give them good process, you could help them accelerate their results, improve their quality, and improve their capacity. So there's so many benefits of what you do. But in order to create those benefits, you have to really just stay in your lane and own the power of the role of a consultant. So that's my secret number one. Understand there's a huge value of being a consultant. It's not somebody who just works for an organization without a without a full-time responsibility, without being headcount. It's somebody with a very specific role. And this role is all around coming alongside a leader and helping them improve their capacity and their effectiveness. So secret number two, let's get into that one. Your consulting clients aren't organizations. You are not working for organizations. You're working for a person in an organization. Your clients are people. And these people have a role within the organization and they have very personal reasons for why they wanna work with you. And so if you wanna establish a credible connection with your potential clients, you need to understand their role and their contribution to the organization, where they fit in the system that they operate within and the reasons why they would hire someone like you. You need to be able to see the world from their vantage point. So you can't say, I just wanna break into the larger organizations. It's really more along the lines of, I wanna connect with the perfect person who my expertise is relevant for and help them solve the problems that they care very much about. So to create that connection, what I would like you to do is just think about who the person is who's your most likely and promising buyer. So there's two different types of executives within the organization. So there are executives that are responsible for what I would call line groups, and there's executives responsible for what I would call staff groups. Line groups are the groups that are involved in serving the external customers. So these are groups like sales, marketing, operations. And so you need to understand the vantage point and what they're accountable for and why would they call someone like you? So for example, marketing, a marketing executive is responsible for driving company and product brand awareness and intent to try. And they have all kinds of departments that report to them, branding, advertising, product development. So if you are working in an organization, one maybe a marketing person, this chief marketing officer is your person. So you need to see what they're worried about, what their concerns about, and align your consulting to support those goals. Sales is responsible for customer acquisition and per customer spending. They have departments like 
just, they might call it sales or outside sales or account management, sales operations, sales training, operations. They're responsible for customer satisfaction and product service delivery. And they've got departments like operations, production, or um, or customer service or engineering. They have all kinds of departments like that. So if you're brought in, if you're operational efficiency type of person, you know, your likely buyer might be somebody, maybe a VP or a senior VP of operations. If you're somebody who's all about sales and you think about the chief sales officer, that type of thing. And then there's another type of group, the staff groups, as I mentioned, they are responsible for serving the internal client or the organization on the whole. So finance is responsible for financial forecasting and management of controllable costs. They're going to lead departments like either they might call it finance, accounting, risk, legal. So the CFO, is that your person? So think about what they're, they might be concerned about. They're very concerned about controllable costs. And so that might be one of your clients. IT is responsible for integrating technology into business practices. They're going to have hardware and software teams and tech support teams. So they're concerned about process and they're concerned about optimizing processes, automating processes. So is that relevant to your expertise? A lot of the clients that I work with, I would say 95% of my clients were the chief HR officer or the VP of HR, senior VP of HR. In general, HR people are responsible for staffing, training, positioning of talent, change management, culture. Um, most of my clients, as an organization development consultant, they were the ones that I would be focused on. So I needed to create messages that would resonate with the HR people. So they have departments like recruiting, training, communications, employee relationships, compensation. So let's say you're a video producer and you create workplace video productions. HR is your likely client. So you might have some larger companies might have continuous improvement departments like lean leadership development, organization development, like where I was when I was at Disney. So for you, as you're listening in, I want you to think about who's the person. I just described a lot of different departments. Out of the different departments and the types of accountabilities, who do you care the most about helping? Who's your most likely buyer? That's the one you should be focusing on in your marketing messages, as you create your marketing strategies, you know, if you were going to a networking event, you want to go where these people are. And when you're engaging with them, you need to talk to them as a human being. You're not trying to get into the organization. You're trying to help these people achieve their goals. So that's secret number two. Your clients are not organizations. They are people. So secret number three. The ideal role for a consultant or coach is never going to be on the org chart. And let me explain to you why. The day-to-day -day work can and will get done without us. We're not there for the day-to-day -day work. They don't need a consultant. They already have their people. What we do is we fill in these in-between spaces. This is where we can do our best work. So we do our greatest work when there are conflicts or challenges between operating areas. You know, that's that white space of the organization, places where it's not filled, or when strategy changes and the leadership and operating practices have not, or when organizations are moving from one stage in their life cycle to the next, or when leaders are moving from one level to the next. That's when we can do our best work. It's in these in-between spaces and nobody else fills that and that's where all of our power is. So contract workers, for sure, can be brought in to expand the capacity of the day-to-day -day work. 
you know, somebody might hire out. If you're a smaller company, for example, they might hire a fractional CFO or a fractional CMO or something like that for a while until they get to a particular size. But if you're a consultant who's trying to go after the larger organizations, they're already going to have people for the day-to-day. And if they're outsourcing something, then it's not necessarily what they believe is a strategic value that they needed to have in-house. So you don't even necessarily want to go after that kind of work anyway. But I'll tell you this, an advisor to the C-suite will never really be used as a way to expand capacity. They might be brought in for an expertise that the organization has not yet cultivated but needs in order to move to the next level. But the biggest reason and the most important reason why consultants create value and coaches create value for these larger organizations is when they have a pressing need for an objective, neutral perspective, when they want to hurt somebody to help herd the cats or corral all the conflicting opinions on what do they need to do to achieve a goal or move to the next level, that kind of thing. That's where we want to be. And so there's so many reasons why I'm such a massive fan of content marketing. If you've been around me for a while, you'll hear my stories of my content being a calling card. And I'll tell you why I think content marketing is the best way for consultants and coaches who want to work with organizations to get clients is because the biggest competition we have for our services isn't other consultants. It's the client either choosing to do nothing or doing it themselves. Because again, they're transitioning into this new unknown world of this next level. So what we need to do when we are landing work with a client is we've got to convince them that doing something is better than nothing. And then we need to convince them that working with a consultant or coach is better than doing it on their own. But if we can use our content to do those first two sales, these buyers are already halfway down the buying process. So your content sets you up to just demonstrate that why you're the right solution for them. But it almost becomes a no-brainer because you've already influenced them in those other two areas that they want to do something about the problems that they have and they want to work with somebody else. So your content really kickstarts your influencing relationship that you have with your clients. And so if you want to position yourself as this expert advisor, your content and being a thought leader already establishes you in that way. So you will not be seen as that pair of hands. So content marketing is huge. But the number one thing that I want you to walk away with for secret number three is your ideal role for what you want to go after in the organization is never going to be on the org chart. You need to be able to carve out the perfect role for yourself. And that's as that advisor. So let me talk about secret number four. This might be a hard thing for some of us to hear. So I'm just going to be upfront that I know some of some of you who are listening is not going to agree with me on this one. But I'll just tell you from my own experience, clients, including HR, do not spend the kind of time that we do delineating between the difference between what is a consultant, what's a coach, what's a trainer. We go through this painstaking exercise to define label. And if we were really honest with ourselves to justify our expertise, our professional associations definitely want to help us with this. So we may spend a lot of time getting wrapped around an axle around what's the difference between consultants or coaches. I have one of my dear friends and colleagues always goes back and forth with me on that one. 
because he's a coach and uh, my background is a consultant, even though I'm a consultant of coaches. And I believe sometimes he's a coach who consults, but we want to parse it out and say, all right, consultants give advice, coaches ask, ask questions. So we put this hard line between the two when our clients really don't. Or we may wonder about the difference between a leadership consultant, because they're all about individuals and improving individual performances. And organizational consultants are all about the organization. But the reality is, is that the client doesn't know the difference. The client doesn't really care about the difference because the client is concerned about the individual performance, the organizational performance. They want advice. They want questions. And so it really doesn't matter. The clients really don't care. And so spending so much time carving out that role really keeps you from making the impact because no matter how you get brought into the organization, if you own those in-between spaces, those white spaces that a client's value, they're going to want you to do other things. I promise you, you'll be asked to do other things. You might be a consultant who's working on a big organizational redesign as part of the redesign might require new behaviors of leaders. And then they're going to ask you like, well, hey, maybe you can coach the leaders. Or you might be brought in as a leadership coach. So maybe you have a handful of high potentials and the HR leader went out and looked for a bunch of coaches and you got selected and now you have coaching assignments. And now you are coaching several leaders within the organization. At some point, you are going to be asked to either do some group coaching or an executive work session or something along those lines. If you are brought in to help develop leaders, it's going to bump up against organizational issues and organizational issues are going to bump up against performance issues. So it's more important to really be thinking about who you want to help and having the opportunity to use your transferable skills because I can promise you a consultant in so many ways can help a a client, maybe not in the same way as a, a trained ICF coach could do that kind of in-depth coaching, but you definitely could do coaching to some level, or you can call it think partnership or trusted advisory kind of services, or a coach, you can go ahead and facilitate meetings that affect the organization. The key thing here that I would want you to walk away with is you know, be able to go into the organization and start wherever your starting point is. But when you are working with leaders, you need to pay attention to the realities that there's multiple layers of what's going on with every client interaction and every client engagement. At the top level, at the surface level, it's whatever the work is at hand. Whatever the goals are that a client wants to accomplish for their organization or for their leadership or their career, it's whatever that work is at hand, that's at the top level. You go a little bit deeper, there's the personal dynamics. You know, there's the client's emotional experiences as well as your own. But then deeper than that, the client is a part of a system. And so that's why you're going to get brought in is that if you are doing consulting or coaching within an organization, this is why if you go back to one of my previous podcasts where I talk about the differences between consulting and coaching, I talk about the business models. If you are working in an organization, you have a B2B business and you are going to be seen as capable of doing all of these different types of services, consulting, coaching, training, all kinds of different kinds of interventions that you're capable of doing. And it's up to you to figure out how much you want to do and where you want to outsource. But you have to be aware that your client is engaged in a system and you're going to have the opportunities to do a lot of different types of services for your clients. The other thing too, is just from a principle standpoint, and I think you would agree with me on this one, is that organizational change only happens when individuals change. 
That's why these things overlap. And individuals change when the organization changes. They're both part of the same system. So no matter what you are asked to do, no matter what you pitch, you always need to consider the broader context and that the fact that the person who is hiring you is sometimes the root cause to the challenges you're hired to solve. So you need to be aware of all of these dynamics. So that's secret number four. Let's get into secret number five. So kind of piggybacking off of what we just talked about, secret number five is you will not succeed in the C-suite and the larger organizations are working with executives until you accept the realities of power and politics. I know right now in our world today, the world word politics is at an all-time low of things that people hate. People hate politics. And I think the word politics and power get bad raps because leadership is ultimately about power and power in itself isn't bad. It's just how people use it. You know, so if people, leaders use power to control and dominate. And when executive teams approach power from like sort of like a win-lose standpoint, that's not healthy power. That's like that power over and nobody likes it. It's not good use of power. But power in a good sense is about the capacity to act and having the ability to achieve purpose. So good power is about balancing perspectives and collaboration. So the reality is, is you need disparate perspectives in the C-suite. So you definitely need the heart-centered, people-centered focus that HR brings. And you also need the financial acumen and the bottom line perspective that finance offers. You need to have both. You need to have sales and them out there trying to land work and land clients and land customers and grow a customer base. But you also need to balance it with operations and their ability to deliver exceptional services. And you need both of those perspectives in order to make good decisions. So power in itself, politics in itself is not bad. It's just when it's used inappropriately, that's when we have problems. And so you as a consultant or coach, you are going to be in the realm of dealing with your client's power system. The larger the organization, the more senior the leaders are, the more politics you're going to have to navigate. That's what makes a senior team or an executive team very unique. I don't know if you have facilitated executive team meetings. Um, for me, it's just an interesting experience because of all of the power dynamics that are going on. So for example, the CEO or the president, whoever the senior leader is of that particular executive team, they have massive power, massive control, incredible compensation packages. So they have a lot of power. And the people who are on the team, they are wired in a very particular way. Otherwise, they wouldn't have made it to the top. So they have a lot of need for power and achievement, but they've mastered all of this political nuance that has been going on in the organization. I remember when I was like first introduced to this, I was a new consultant at Disney and I was assigned to the Animal Kingdom. That was one of my early assignments. And I remember we had these meetings before the meetings before the meetings. And that was all about the politics that was going on. So I got immersed in that whole thing. But whenever you see that there's a meeting be before the meeting or side meetings, that's an effective use sometimes of politics. It could be dysfunctional. It's not all one and the same. But those are signs that you're dealing with different types of competing perspectives that people are trying to corral. The other thing that makes executive teams unique is everybody's competing for the CEO's job. Like there's one spot and lots of competitors. And there's also issues with the executive team because they all have very different functional areas. So let's say you're, if I was in charge of like, let's say a marketing 
department and if I was a senior marketing person, everybody within the marketing department, they're kind of wired similarly. And so they kind of approach work in a similar sort of way. But when you get to the C-suite, everybody's leading different functional areas. And so that creates a lot of agendas and biases that people would have against one another. So that's something else that you're navigating. I mean, for example, when I was at Disney, I'm using my Disney secrets again, um, I worked on a project where I was working with the Walt Disney Imagineers and the Walt Disney World operators and trying to get them all on the same page. So part of the challenge they have is these Imagineers are super creative. Like some of the fun stories when I first started at Disney working at the Animal Kingdom was the image that the Imagineers had for what the theme park was going to become. So it's going to be this storybook world full of adventure and surprises. And so if you get into the parking lot at Animal Kingdom, you know, there's not a lot of foliage, it's really hot, and there's a lot of concrete. And then you get into Animal Kingdom, and it's all lush and green and beautiful. And the story behind it from the Imagineer's perspective is, is like, well, this is supposed to represent the conflict or the contrast between the urban industrial complex and the natural world. From the guest experience standpoint, they just said, it's hot, it's hot, and it's stinking hot. I mean, we're in Florida, it's stinking hot. And so what the Imagineers visualized was not relevant for what the operators actually had to deliver. And so I was involved in a lot of projects to get the Imagineers and the operators to consider each other as they were designing new theme park experiences and new opportunities. You know, you would, it would be hard to imagine, but like Kilimanjaro Safari was one of the biggest rides when Animal Kingdom opened in it did not have stroller parking. It was not operationally effective. But through some of the work that me and my colleagues did to help bring these big organizations together and get them on the same page, that when new rides came out like Everest, things were operationally effective. So this is the benefit of good power. So and good power and good politics is that you can consider things from a lot of different angles. You don't have to sacrifice the story to make it operationally relevant. But you also don't have to sacrifice the operational experience in order to create the storytelling. You could bring them both together. And so you as a consultant are always navigating in these particular areas. And if you ignore it, you're going to have a really hard time because this is why this is why your clients need you so desperately. This is the huge value add that you're bringing to the table. I believe with my whole heart that consultants and coaches with strong political savvy have a massive competitive advantage. You can land more work. For example, I was having an opportunity when I was running my consulting business to work with AAA. And so the, the VP of HR called me and she wanted my involvement in helping with an employee engagement project. But the rest of her team was not on board with that. So she had the budget, but she didn't have the buy-in. So I spent a lot of time really working with her behind the scenes. And we went through everybody else, all the senior officers on her team, and we identified all of their stakes and what their issues were, what their challenges are. And I gave her message points of how to get everybody on the same page. So she went and did all those meetings. She got everybody on the same page. We got the president on board. And then I wound up landing the work with that organization. But because of the way that I trained her and I mentored her and I coached her, she also got huge value just out of the way I was landing work with her. And I got a secondary contract where I was doing development experiences for the HR team. So I doubled my revenues from this particular consulting engagement, but I did not increase my time because I just integrated all of that mentoring 
into my work. So you land more work. The other thing is you create stronger results that actually last. I would say you could put a really, really great project plan, the most technically competent approach. I would put the strongest coaching experience against politics and politics will eat it for lunch, you know, or dinner and snacks the next day. If you really want to make a difference in an organization, you have to know how to navigate through all of these political realities. The other thing with you understanding politics is you could parlay your first contract into the next contract. And when you understand what's going on and the power dynamics, then you are able to speak truth to power because they're not going to blindside you. And one of the clients I worked with, I did an assessment and it was a customer assessment and it had a lot of explosive opportunities. And originally in my contract, it was just for me to do the assessment and then I was going to do a couple hour meeting with all of the senior team to deliver the results. But my client and I knew that that would not go well. That would be a horrible meeting. And so we wound up doing a process where we went did one-on-ones with everybody and we did it in such a way to, that the leader who was going to be most impacted by this assessment report was prepared and the rest of the senior team was prepared to handle this so that when we went into the meeting it was productive and they were able to come up with solutions so if you can cultivate your political savvy you will be able to have a huge competitive advantage and the other thing about understanding power And this goes back to the original point that I was making earlier on this podcast is that you know that when you leave corporate and you leave your employment opportunity to become an entrepreneur, you're making one type of transition. But there's also these other transitions that are going on. So you also became a, went from a leader to a consultant or coach, but you're also making changes around how you handle power. So when you left corporate, and you leave your title and your status and your perks, you are making a change from getting your source of power from outside of yourself, from your job title, from your office size, from your salary and all of that. And it's disruptive. I totally get that. But you're in this process right now of finding your power from within. And this is going to be that game changer in every aspect of your success is if you just allow your power to come from within yourself, like really about cultivating and honing your intuition and your insight and your influence skills. This is going to be what will help you become highly effective in working with these larger organizations and with executives. But it's also going to give you the courage to market yourself in a way that you didn't before. So just picture there's this politics on the outside of how you're helping your clients manage power, but you're also learning how to manage your own power in a very different way. This is why your most meaningful work is never going to be on the org chart and the most meaningful results that you're going to create is from influence. And that begins with having that courage to cultivate your power from within yourself. So that's the fifth secret is all around that power and politics. So let's recap. Let's talk about five of my secrets. I have more secrets that I'm going to be sharing with you later about how to work with the C-suites, but these are five of them. Number one, know and appreciate the role and contributions consultants make. You are not just somebody who does work for an organization without a formal role on the org chart. You have a very important role where you come alongside leaders and you help them enhance their capacity, their decision-making, the quality of the results. You help them make better decisions. When they make better decisions, they're going to create healthier organizations. Number two, 
Your client is not an organization. It is a person with a very personal reason for wanting to hire a consultant or coach like you. So really dial in who is the most likely buyer for you? Who has the problems that you are most motivated to solve? And how do you start speaking their language? Not necessarily getting them to understand the value of your methodology or the value of your expertise. How do you position your expertise to be the solution that they've been waiting for? Three, you don't have and you don't need a formal place on the org chart to create unbelievable value. If you want the formal place on the org chart, you're giving up the most powerful tool in your disposal, which is your independent point of view. And so having that outside perspective and not having that role in the org chart gives you the ability to see the organization from a much broader standpoint, which is highly valuable for your clients. Number four, clients don't worry about the differences between consultants, coaches, or trainers. If they connect with you, they're going to use you in a lot of different ways. So if you want to maximize your client opportunities, what you have to remember with every engagement, every interaction, you are dealing with multiple layers within that engagement or interaction. You're dealing with the work, you're dealing with the person and their reactions, and the broader organizational system. And number five. If you want to succeed in the larger organizations and with executives, you have no choice but to cultivate your political savvy. And that begins with cultivating your own personal power from within yourself. That's number five. It's the hardest. I understand politics gets a bad word, but it is one of the most essential competencies that you will ever develop as a organizational consultant or coach. So let's talk about next steps. So I mentioned to you earlier in the podcast that I got a free quiz for you, and it's definitely going to help you assess your current level of political savvy, as well as other attributes of in-demand influential organizational consultants, coaches, and executive advisors. So if you want this quiz, definitely head on over to www.betsyjordan.com slash consulting hyphen quiz. And this will give you some instant insight on what you need to do to develop that personal power and what you need to do to set yourself up to be that sought after expert to the C-suite. And if your marketing strategies and your messaging is just not resonating, or if you're not getting in front of the right corporate buyers, or you're just using words and it's just not creating the results that you're looking for, definitely let's work on this. Head on over to my website at www.betsyjordan.com forward slash services. And when you get there, you can learn more about my business and brand strategy mentoring, as well as my done for you creative services and my copywriting. But when you're over there, what I would love for you to do is learn more about my brand new group coaching mastermind experience that I'm launching in January. I'm super excited about this because this is an opportunity to really take your positioning strategy up to a different kind of level where you can set yourself up with the right messages, the differentiation, competitive advantage, clear products and services that are framed and priced in a way that makes you the irresistible no-brainer solution for your clients. You're definitely going to want to want to um, take advantage of this opportunity now because I've got early bird pricing that is available right now. If you want to work with me one-on-one, I will be doing that for another couple months, but I want to be moving all of my 
my branding and messaging services into this group program, which I think is going to be amazing because not only will you get the personal direction from me, you'll meet other people who are in the exact same place that you are, and you'll have like these ready-made focus groups and people that you could bounce all your ideas off of. So definitely check that out. And next week, I'm going to be talking about the pair of hands positioning trap and other positioning traps that way too many consultants or coaches fall into that keeps them from influencing the change that they know is possible for their clients and earning what they're worth. So definitely hit subscribe now wherever you're listening so you don't miss it. And if this is something that you have colleagues who you know want to work with these larger organizations and want to work with executives, definitely let them know all about it as well. And until next time, thanks for listening. Thank you for tuning in. If today's episode lit a fire in you, please rate and review Enough Already on Apple Podcasts or subscribe wherever you listen. And if you're looking for your next step, visit me on my website at BetsyJordan.com and it's Betsy Jordan with a Y and you'll learn all about our end-to-end services that are custom designed to accelerate your success. Don't wait, start today.